Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the completely snowed in tiny room. I am the <laughs> ice-based human formerly known as Michael and I am here digitally with Benjamin who is presumably not snowed in. Ben, are you snowed in? I'm decidedly thawed and not snowed in. I did have a snow day. Um, Wait, you know we... I... Sorry, go on. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, it just I, I had a snow day, but it wasn't anything like the the hot level conditions that you're currently experiencing. Have you have you cut open any tontons yet? No, I, the two cats are looking a bit nervous, but uh, <laughs> we haven't cut open any any pack animals. You know, I haven't been in work since Tuesday. I've been at home since Tuesday. <laughs> oh man, you should have been making content by the 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 ton, Michael. You should have I know, been, you should have I been coming up with tons of ideas. The only content I could come up with was bloody snow-based content. And there's no <laughs> audience for that, Ben. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our 41st episode of the podcast. We got very, very far. Um, but due to Michael's just puerile attempt at humour, we're going to have to shut it all down. It's all over, ladies and gentlemen. Ben, we're putting the podcast on ice. <laughs> and he's back okay i'm gonna keep the podcast two is fine one for sorrow two for joy um we're still in it we're still we're still talking about pop culture based content and how we feel about all that stuff welcome yeah. back to the tiny room benjamin not a lot has happened this week again it, not a lot has happened in terms of, of of new things michael but i think you know interesting things sort of happened go on this week do there's, tell, there's been man. there's been our usual you know you know I love a little bit of um, fan outrage. Um, you do. I love a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know how pop culture affects real communities in real time. That's one of your favourites. I love all of this. Yes. Well, Black Panther, which is the gift that just keeps on giving for us certainly here at the podcast, for, um, certainly for podcasting communities. Yeah, it's just it's just reams of content can be taken out of this thing. Anyway, so Ben, before um, we go any further, we've, we've, before we go any further, <laughs> have you seen Black Panther? No, no. Okay, good. No, just I let's keep I'm that in still mind. looking to find somewhere that lets me see it, but no, there's nowhere that does it in English. I've checked, and every time they just look at me like I'm insane because yeah. I keep walking into Italian cinemas going Black Panther in Inglesi. Black Panther. Like, it's not. No. Is it not called Panther Negro? Negra. <laughs> Panther Negro. Uh, Panther Nero. Nero. Is it okay. Panther Nero? Nero. See. Si. Um, and so I keep going in there, and and they keep looking at me like I'm absolutely insane, which is fair enough because I keep asking them for a language that isn't theirs. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, somewhere in Dublin, yet. somewhere in Dublin, there's an Italian man going into every cinema and going, <laughs> "Do you have Black Panther in Italian?" Pa- <laughs> pa- um, Panther Black. Uh, do you have Panther um, Black in Italian? <laughs> I think um, I know who that man is yeah. as well. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we've go probably, on. What, we've what's probably this news? with them before. Anyway, Chadwick Boseman had a very interesting to say. Do you remember, um, it was either last week or the week before, when we talked about how real African communities would feel about representation in Black Panther? Do you remember yes. That? Yeah, well, this has been weighed in on. Um, by Chadwick Boseman. Um, because lots of people are having the same issue that we as Irishmen had with the idea of a monarchy-based hero system. Exactly. Um, yeah, and Chadwick Boseman this week said that he is the true enemy of Black Panther. Yeah. Um, he said this is in an interview, and he has caused absolute uproar um, across certain communities. Um, he said... and Now, to be fair... 
it's completely taken out of context and it's a great soundbite for headlines and you know that kind of thing what he actually means is that because he's a privileged character um in an african-based superhero movie he has a lot of blind spots and theoretically right. he can't be rooted for because of his privilege um, mm. and he's american obviously he's an american actor Chadwick and he's Boseman. relating Chadwick Boseman um is an american actor from carolina is he related to Louis North guzman i hope so that would be a wonderful family reunion <gasps> Louis guzman sidekick in the next uh, no sorry louise guzman um sidekick <laughs> in the next uh, black panther that'd be amazing that'd be yes. amazing and then when they do an ant-man crossover he can hang out with anthony pena oh my god oh Mick, we're rebooting the universe. Let's do it. Okay, let's do, do it. it. Uh, sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> but anyway, anyway, he is stirring up a lot of controversy because he relates his dislike of the Black Panther character through what he perceives as privilege as an American black man. Oh, interesting. Um, that is interesting. And obviously, Kill. Yeah, sorry. That is interesting. Yeah, obviously Killmonger... Because what I'm saying is you say that's interesting a lot, but uh, often I disagree yeah, with you. Yeah, I do. But this time I, I, love, I do oh, agree. Okay, no. <laughs> okay fascinating. Okay, we're, we're making progress. It's only taken 41 episodes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, he actually responds more to Killmonger, like most people do, as a character. He he finds him more relatable, as certainly as a, an African-American. an African American. Um, And I think... It's it's been very interesting. There was a very interesting reaction to Killmonger in the uh, French premiere in Paris. Did Go you on. hear about this? No. Yeah. So there's a scene in the movie which I found out through reading the article. Not because yeah, because you it. haven't bloody seen um, it yet. Where he breaks into the London Museum. Yeah. Very good scene actually. And he takes a yeah he takes a, an artifact from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And he says to the uh, he says you can't it's not for sale and he says I'm going to take it off your hands don't worry. Um, and then he says something about, do you think your ancestors got this fairly or paid for this fairly or, or something like that? Something anyway, those lines, when, yeah. he says, when he says this line, or when he said this line in the uh, French premiere, the audience cheered um, at the line. They, they thought mm. it was a, a great line. And, and apparently the whole cinema kind of um, gave it a standing ovation, which is, wow. which is a very interesting reaction given the huge displaced black community that exists in Paris. That's true. Ben, look, I don't really know enough um, uh, about this topic to weigh in, but from what I do know, well, and having been, <laughs> having been to the British Museum and just being to London, London in particular is just famously full of stuff they've pilfered from other countries. Well, yeah. and um, Former empires will do that. Exactly. I don't know if the French were as bad as that. But they might have been. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I couldn't. I, I couldn't say. I just know that it's. It's. I think it was a reaction mainly from people of a non-Caucasian background, hmm. um, um, who found this line so um, inspiring. But I find it really interesting because Chadwick Boseman is really dividing um, people in America as usual because he brought up the problem of race, which really pisses people in America off because they're not able to talk about topics. Um, that affect their society. They have, a, they have a hard time doing that. Don't forget guns, then. Um, when are we going to talk about guns? Oh, for the love of God. Actually, that's quite interesting. Can we talk about... No, let's no. not. It's not no, we're not talking about based, guns. But we can talk about that after the podcast. It's, well, it's really yeah. interesting developments. Or we can talk about guns um, the next time a new Punisher series comes out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's let's do an, uh, uh, an NRA special. 
Um, Benjamin. Yeah. What happened to Kevin yes. Smith? Yeah. So poor old Kevin Smith. Kevin, Kevin the fat man on Batman. He called poor himself Kay Smizzle. Not shaming. Um, who isn't actually fat anymore? He's lost quite a bit of weight. He's been on he's been on something of a a, a weight loss journey. Unfortunately, he did not lose the weight before entirely clogging one of his key arteries. Um, mm. And Kevin Smith had what is described well self described. Ben, can I give I can I give you a little tip from a former biologist? Sure. Arteries are important. Are they? Yep. They help are you they? not die. That's that's good to know. I didn't yep. know that. You oh. used you should keep that information and you you treasure that. Yeah, someone should have told Kevin Smith. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, poor old Kevin Smith, um, who is kind of a has a huge cult following, huge cult following. Um, due to I, his work I, with clerks, I, I would call myself a Kevin Smith fan. You're you're a Kevin Smith fan. I I am less so a Kevin Smith fan for his writing work. Um, I really enjoy Clerks. I think Clerks is a great. Um, film. I think it's kind of a, a really decent, well pe- well made film. Um, I loved Dogma when I was a teenager. I think everybody yep. loved Dogma when they were a teenager. It's like, oh, look at him sticking it to, to, to God in the Bible. Stick it to look the at man. Um, wow. And then you grow a little bit older and you're like, oh, okay. Um, it's just Ben Affleck and Matt Damon being Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Um, yep. So it's a bit like off. And then you see the other ones, Mall Rats. Mall Rats is a personal favorite. I quite enjoyed Mall Rats. With our. With our Good friend of the podcast, um, the guy who played Yondu, Michael something. Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, yeah, he's in the L. He's in the L. Mallrats, great, love Michael Rooker. Um, so yeah, I suppose for me, his career kind of went downhill after Clerks Two. Yeah, Top Clerks Two was a terrible film. Not great. A lot of Rosario um, Dawson. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we here at the podcast are awful big fans of. of I'm Ms. not Dawson. blaming her if for it like, not being great. No, God, no. I'm just saying Who would do great. such a thing? Who would do... Yeah, um, and I also don't like his comic work. I think he writes really weird, kind of fanboy-inspired arcs on things. Um, and he doesn't normally do the characters justice. It is very rare that you will hear me complain that a comic book isn't taking itself seriously enough. Normally, I have the opposite <laughs> complaint where they take themselves too seriously. But he had an episode where... Or he had a comic book series with Batman where Poison Ivy kept getting high all the time because she could grow her own weed um, yeah very good very Kevin Smith yeah. but I was just I kind of sat there and I was like okay cool so he has a whole fan service scene where she's completely naked because she's forgotten to grow clothes because she's high oh brilliant I, I, I'm going to track that down after yeah, I'm not a big fan it's the it's either the widening gyre or the I can't remember the other one one of them is called The Widening Gyre, which is after a WBE8's poem. But we're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss his heart attack. Um, he had a heart attack. Um, it was quite serious. And he's, he's quite ill. And apparently, according to him, mm-hmm. he's living on yes. borrowed time. So Kevin Smith might, oh, really? might not be around much, much longer. That's what he said. Yeah, I'm living on borrowed time, is what he said. Nah, he's a celebrity. Um, He'll be fine. He can't, no, he can't die. They'll, they'll save him. There's a whole industry backing him up. But what I'm more interested in, Michael, is there's been a little bit of outrage as a result of this uh, thing. Um, we, yeah, all love, we all love Chris like Pratt outrage, here at the podcast. You like I do. I just, I can't get enough. Tell me about the outrage. outrage, Michael. The world just keeps supplying it for me. So, poor old Chris Pratt. Poor old Chris Pratt. Now, ha- oh, sorry, to preface this. How Pratt become involved in this? Oh, this sounds I, great. Yeah, you, this, is, this is bizarre, okay? Now... 
on for, the timing of this is very very bad right because we recently had another mass school shooting in the u.s yeah in florida yeah and this time the thoughts and prayers motif where everyone t- gives their thoughts and prayers to it has been royally ripped apart um, it's it's quite impressive. There is a huge secular backlash against this thoughts and prayers. You know when people tweet, yeah, I'm with you. you know, I'm senator with you. tweets yeah. my my thoughts and prayers. Yeah, there's a huge backlash against it this time, and people are sick of it. They want reform. They don't want thoughts and prayers. They want reform. Now, I am a huge fan of secularism. I'm a massive fan of the separation of church and state. Big yeah. big fan here. Why um, can I see that I NRA poster behind you there, Ben? NRA, it's, it's a nice poster, isn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, I got that on oh, sale. Oh, the National Railway Association. I love an L rail. I actually do love the, trains. That's, not that's really, an interesting aside. Not really adults group. <laughs> that was going to be, that was a possible alternate name for this yeah. podcast. Um, yeah, that's actually yeah, pretty good. But <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, but anyway, anyway, to come back to this, God, it's rambly today. Um the, the Needless Rambling Association. Poster. Yes, very um, good. <laughs> so anyway. Finish the story, Chris then. Pratt. Yes. <laughs> Chris Pratt does not share my love of all things secular. Um, Chris no. Pratt is quite an open Christian. Um, and he sent a, a very nice tweet to Kevin Smith um, because he grew up with his movies. Chris Pratt is of the era where Clerks would have been kind of a big watershed moment for filmmaking it kind of yes, represented Chris Pratt is the subculture it wasn't me. there yeah so he would have been he would have been around um then and it was a big deal so he sent a little a little tweety tweet to to mm-hmm. kevin smith in with response thoughts to and this prayers. and he said with thoughts and prayers towards the end um now i don't really care much for religion as you know yeah you've um, mentioned that and um i but i don't really mind this i think this is quite a nice gesture i mean obviously it's not going to do much but like it's not like chris pratt can do much in the first place no unless um, he qualifies as a heart you, surgeon no but and he's also probably on the other side of the country on a movie set but anyway he got a huge backlash from people telling him you know wasting your your like what you say your thoughts and prayers so very similar to the florida backlash basically wait except that this time yeah Chris Pratt has no effect on reform legislation or heart surgery. He's simply so what you're passing saying is along. Leave Chris Pratt alone. Well, I don't. I don't have to say that because James Gunn has weighed into oh, for that. For God's boring. sake, um, it's ridiculous. So James Gunn is also James Gunn is also a Christian, um, which is I he? did not know. No, yep. that's news to me. Um, so he sent a lengthy eight-point response or riposte to this backlash. So I'm, I'm going to give you some of it here because I find it really interesting. Um, so this Go is on. James Gunn on February 26th, 2018. Yeah. So I just read Chris Pratt's tweet to Kevin Smith saying he would pray for him and made the mistake of reading the comments, many of which go off Uh-oh. on Chris for saying he'd pray. I think people misunderstand the backlash against thoughts and prayers. So now we go on to point number two. There is nothing wrong with sending someone positive thoughts and prayers, but when this is coupled with inaction, then action will benefit. Uh, when action will benefit the situation, it's empty. Number three, if you're offering Parkland shooting survivor prayers, um, but are unwilling to deal with the problems of gun violence in this country in a 
practical way, those prayers are empty. Number four, if you're going to offer prayers to folks suffering in Puerto Rico, you might consider adding a link for a donation calling uh, or calling your representatives to action in addition to those prayers. Prayers alone will not change the world. Number five, but no one expects Chris Pratt to shoulder uh, doctors out of the way and perform heart surgery on Kevin Smith. Nor does Kevin need Chris to pay his medical bills. So I think his prayers are appreciated uh, and about all he can do. Number six, I'm not tweeting this to defend Chris. He's a big boy and can take care of himself. But for me personally, prayer and meditation are great boons to my life and help me navigate my way through the world. And I don't want to dissuade uh, others uh, who find those things useful. Yeah. Ben, so this is I would like to see the movie where where Chris Pratt shoulders doctors out of the way and performs surgery on Kevin Smith. I think that's his next movie. He does it with a, a sidekick T-Rex. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Yes. Did you see any films? I've I've seen a bunch of films this week. Um Wow, Ben's um, seen a film. <laughs> yeah, I've done I've done really well this week. So yesterday in the evening I watched The Death of Stalin, which is a really, really funny comedy. Um I thoroughly recommend that you check it out. But that's not what we're here to discuss today, Michael. Um last Sunday I went to a really beautiful cinema here in Florence. It's the Odeon Cinema in Florence. It is a nineteen twenties fully um fully preserved uh, converted theater and they show movies in English um, but they don't show Black Panther because they're kind of This is the third time you've mentioned that cinema are you on some sort of take from them? Because I haven't I seen any so. money from the Odeon cinema that'd in, be, in that'd be, that'd be, if They sponsor the podcast that'd be so cool um, Anyway I went to see The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro Oh yeah Guillermo um, del Toro. I thought it was really good I thought it was really good the lady, has, um, the lady has a relationship with a thingy it's quite hilarious the amount of backlash that is coming from that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. What I'm going to talk about is how nice it is as a self-contained world and how full of symbolism it is um, for modernity versus antiquity, for uh, fear of the future, for bracing yourself for a change in society. Um, the, Which really, film are you talking about? The Shape of Water. They have all of oh, these things on, inherent yeah. within. Um I think the central theme of this particular movie um, is is discrimination and how we move on from discrimination and how we have to deal with discrimination. Um, there are three key components or three symbols of this discrimination in the Elf film. Or no, there's four, sorry. There is uh, the central character who is mute and disabled. And mm. therefore, um, she's given a little bit of a hard time now and then. Um, is she there is her sassy black... Uh, yeah, no, she's mute. She's mute. No, she's um, mute. Oh, big good. On, Big on mutes this week, yeah. Um, so um, she has her her sassy black friend, um, and I'm not even mm-hmm. making that up. That is literally her character from start to finish in the film. <laughs> um, and obviously, she is she is currently in a segregated America. It's set in the 50s, not anywhere near the 60s or 70s. And um, we have an in the closet gay man who suffers as a result of his yeah. sexual preference. Neil, gay and then man. we have the and then we have the creature. <laughs> The creature is a river god or suspected river god, um, and he's discriminated against for looking different. Um, so all of these are symbols, um, and the whole movie is a, like a fairy tale structure that kind of investigates how America is dealing with the fact that their world is changing. And I think that stubborn resilience to change is symbolized by uh, Michael Shannon's character, who is a really over the top kind of. Uh, you know, man of the past. He's he's a military man. 
He's full of duty and Christian rhetoric and all these kind of things. So he's a real representative of the 50s and 40s. If you, um, if you ever need someone you, to be like uh, an over-the-top something, you always get good old Mickey S. He's Mickey a good, reliable he's just there. Weirdo. He's just there. They keep him in a closet. He's powered off when they don't need him. Just flick a switch and away we go. They yeah. feed him the dialogue and, and he just he just gives it. Anyway, he's great in this, as usual. He's just all fire and brimstone. Good crack. But anyway, tons of symbolism. Um, really tight movie. Really, really well built world. Uses a fantastic color uh, color palette to kind of keep all that in. Why am I talking about symbols so much, Michael? Why Why am I talking don't know. about symbols so much? Do you think? Well, I love an L symbol. No, I don't. I honestly don't. Ben, I honestly reason. don't know. Uh, it's I fine. I'm, I'm leading gonna, me down the path you. here. It was. It was. I oh, am. You are. I am. Okay, you I am. Follow, follow, follow me down okay. the path. Follow me down the path. Um, symbolism. Okay, I'm on the path with you, Ben. Symbolism in movies, Michael, is, is a wonderful thing, and it's it's a nice way to add extra layers to your film. It's a nice way to kind of, you know, make things a little bit better. Um, and I think when you go to the cinema, you have a choice of two plots. You can have your, your Guardians of the Galaxy plot, which is a primarily, you know, narrative plot, where yeah. we get invested in the characters. We watch their world happen, and there, there's no major yeah. symbolism going on. You know what I mean? You're there to watch some people kick some ass. Hopefully yeah. it's well written. Hopefully you get to see some character relationships develop, you know. Uh, some friends become enemies. Some enemies become friends. You know, the classic stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. The classics. Uh, the, and the then, old, uh, and maybe then you there's have, a sexy lady. Yeah, hopefully. Your, your Gamora or your, 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 your... I don't know. Is Manta sexy? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think she's the sovereign. Sexy. The sovereign lady is... The sovereign lady is pretty sexy. Um, ben, you're revealing a lot anyway. about yourself in this uh, yeah. conversation, I have <laughs> anyway. to say. Moving on from there. Moving on from there. Um, <laughs> then you have your more symbolic movies or your more metaphorical movies, and those are generally put in your art house sphere. Symbolism. The other movie that I, yeah, the other movie that I saw this week that doesn't understand that clear distinction. Yes. Is Mute. Yeah, it's not Mute. great, is it, Ben? Mute is shockingly shit. Yeah, it's it's real um, bad. It's it's so fucking bad. Um. And it, it, it really annoyed me from start to finish. And the reason I had to sit with it and I was, I was more pissed off that I was so annoyed about this film because it's really a film that you can watch and just completely forget you ever saw. Um, yeah. And yet I was pissed off by it and I realized why I was pissed off by it. The reason I was pissed off by it is it could be a good movie. There's a good movie in Mute. Yeah. It's just really really laden with a bunch of shit that nobody wanted or needed oh um tell it like so it is i'm a there, huge ben. fan of yeah i i have actually have a little i'm gonna i'm gonna show it to you here on the on the webcam i actually sat down and wrote this out <laughs> wow okay it annoyed me that much so this is going to be a special segment of why would you do that in other words oh, one why our, would you one do our that favorite segments. with mute okay so I have a, the overall problems, the problem with Mute, okay? There are three key things that piss me off about Mute. Okay. Number one is the shoehorning element of um, Mute. Shoehorning is when you take something and you ram it into a story, or you ram it into something that you like to do, um, and you just throttle your audience with it. You shove it down their throat. It's really irritating. This it's is very really, violent imagery, like, Ben. It's no, but it's like watching Superman, and you have that Jesus Christ parallel. You can't watch Man of Steel without just going, "Okay, we get it. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. He's space Jesus." So that's that's shoehorning. I have never seen so much shoehorning in terms of a plot. I think. What about all, it's, the it's just what about weird. the film John and the Poorly Fitting Shoes? 
that, that well, that's that's a case of of fairly justified shoehorning. Not much plot because in that. The, sh- the shoes wouldn't Quite have dull. fit. I found I found yeah. the two and a half hours of method acting by Daniel Day Lewis where he hobbled around to be just grueling stuff. Yeah, um, in, in shoes that were though. half a size too small. Yeah, look, he's a, he's a yeah. great actor. He makes sacrifices. He makes sacrifices. <laughs> anyway, the, the the main thing that I object to in terms of shoehorning here is the symbolism. Um, I think Leo, uh, the character played by Alexander Skarsgård, is supposed to be some kind of great symbol of, of a simpler life or a simpler time um, before cyberpunk. Um, but they never go into why he's an important symbol for the plot. He just seems he's to be an a Amish. weird... Uh, Met, yeah, I know, but there's no reason for him to be Amish. It doesn't make any sense. But it does, I think the director, it's the future, and he wouldn't. Ha- he would have had voice fixing surgery. Yeah, but what? What? Like, where else does he suffer for that? Occasionally, he can't voice search something. Yeah, that's that's about his only struggle with the new world around him. He does not suffer as a result of discrimination. He does not suffer as a result of anything. They call him a freak a couple of times, but I'm sure there's people nowadays that call mute people freaks. Boo to yeah, those or people. Yeah, just But you. I'm sure there's people now. Yeah. Um, and then, so I really didn't like Leo. Leo was kind of shoehorned in there. Then there's the actual technological element that's shoehorned in. There is no need for this film to be a cyberpunk film. No. I did, I did not understand at all it's it's poorly made altered carbon was better produced when it came to flying cars and big monolithic cities than oh, for a, sure. a film was in mute I sometimes the cars really are flying cars sometimes they're not yeah i just didn't understand that at all and um, you could easily have set the it, film during amish times whenever that was you could have been absolutely fine like the whole plot with cactus and doc is an iraq war throwback you just you just there are two lads that survived the iraq war together in the same in the same team like i don't understand why they put this in the future there's a weird subplot where germany is the center of the universe again didn't understand any of that um and then the other thing is if you look at the tv screens in terms of shoehorning they keep doing a reference to moon his previous sci-fi film yeah the trial it's really fucking annoying because it doesn't fit at all i but think he's just being like though, remember, you no moon is fantastic but I think it was literally Duncan Jones being like, hey, remember when I knocked it out of the park? Remember that? Remember that? It was great, uh-huh. though. Moon was really uh-huh. There's good. an element of that here. Moon well, is amazing. I think, I think what he's... Ben, I think you've misread the message there. I think the real message was, just just turn this off and go and watch Moon. You'll <laughs> enjoy that, that more. Moon, Moon's very good. <laughs> Moon's very nonsense. So the second problem, the second huge problem that I have with this, is it's really Wait, badly that, made. All of that was just one problem. That was one problem. I've Holy got crap. more. I've got, okay, like, go on. This took so much of my fucking time. Um, the second problem is it's really badly made. The editing is terrible. Oh. Um, any character that centers around Leo has the worst dubbing I've ever seen in my life. The actress that plays his love interest, Narita or Nad- Nadira, whatever, um, she's really badly synced with her voice track. Um, I don't know. Are you sure you just weren't watching it on a terrible internet connection? No, 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 because there are scenes where it's perfectly synced. And I'm going to get to those in a second, because this is what I mean. But Benjamin, um, yes. have you seen Mulholland Drive? Yes. Because at the start of Mulholland Drive, everything is poorly dubbed to create a sense of weirdness, a sense of unease. Yeah, but it was done in Mulholland Drive, and when you're David Lynch, you don't really have to justify stuff like that. I don't know if Duncan Jones has that street cred yet, does he? Of course he does. He made Moon. Have you ever seen Moon? It's amazing. 
Yeah, but then he made Mute's no good though. World of Warcraft and yeah. other terrible films. Um, so then no, the other thing it. is, um, the and the, sorry, the last one that irritated the living crap out of me um, was that there could have been a really great film here. If you took Leo and all his weird symbolism and stuff like that and just removed him from the film, yeah, you could make a or really got a great better actor. film. Or got a better actor. You could have a really great film with Doc and, and Cactus. Like, there's a lot more to Cactus. Sorry, Cactus is the character played by Paul Rudd. Um, and Doc is his old army buddy. Um, you could have had a really great film where Leo was just a bit part. Instead of centering on Leo as, a, as this weird Mary Sue that, you know... His pure goodness. But it's in called this. Mute, Ben. Yeah, I understand that, so Michael. You, but you could you have, have to change the name it. of the film and everything. Not really. What you're you proposing is an papers. entirely different film. Absolutely. I'm no. I, I'm actually not. It's not an entirely different film. What I'm proposing is you just get rid of the Leo plot. You and take instead the film just focus on this weird pedophile. Focus on Paul Rudd, not the pedophile part. If you look at the, if you look at cactus right cactus is a really interesting character and then he's really messy because they have to make him into a villain by the end of the the movie yeah at the start of the movie he has a really simple character arc he's just a man who wants to get him and his daughter back to america he doesn't like it there he wants a new start he wants to be done with all his criminal life he wants a legitimate life okay there's that's a good starting point okay and he really seems to care about his daughter like, occasionally he has to leave her with a babysitter and all that kind of thing, but he really cares about his daughter. And he's a very Paul Rudd character at the start of that film. You know, he's the, the loving, affable, charming thing. Mm-hmm. Then you have this really interesting, like... Yeah, but this, this is the interesting thing. You have this real conflict where he's a man who has this huge, like, history with this other guy where, like, they've saved each other's lives and they've looked after each other ever since they spent time in the army. And now he has this new information that it turns out that his best friend in the world is a fucking pedophile. Like, and he has to deal with the moral dilemma of, you know, leaving a comrade in arms behind because he's a pedophile. Like, there's a lot that you could do with yeah. this story. Or just letting you know him chat I mean? up his daughter. Yeah, okay, fine. Look, but this is what I mean. They have to make him a bad person by the end of the film because he ends up being the villain. But it doesn't make any sense with the start of the film. Then it's just no good. He suddenly becomes like this... Vi- but that's what I mean. But even when you look at the parts with Doc and Cactus, it's better edited. It's, the sound quality is ten times better. There's no weird out-of-sync moments. It's just a much better film if you get rid of fucking Leo and his stupid plot. But anyway, but then it would be a really short film. A bad then. film. Huh? Then it would be a really short film. Yeah, I know. But you could expand <laughs> it. You know what I mean, Michael. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, real, real bad film. I think we have a really early contender for... Bad egg of the year for next year. Well, next year I mean, Netflix. Just pick one on Netflix. I watched Veronica yeah. last night. What's Veronica? Have you read anything about Veronica? It's a Spanish horror film. It's quite good if you enjoy a horror film. Ooh, I'm not a I'm not a huge horror fan, but that's no. Good. It's a it, it's your typical haunted house demon possession film, but it's pretty good and oh, it's in yeah. Spanish, which I always find more scary for some reason. Spanish is a very scary language. <laughs> let's move on benjamin <laughs> more revealing things um yeah so what are we here to talk about this week Michael? i don't know i, don't, I honestly can't remember <laughs> that's that's my rant over how much time did i uh, take out of the pocket we're, we're at about half an hour 
so let's do this nice and quick. Listener, Benjamin. Listeners, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Benjamin, who yeah, even he, is yeah. Stalin? Stalin um, was a Russian dictator, um, a contemporary of Hitler, um, once had an alliance with Hitler, and unfortunately that fell about um, after the Battle of Stalingrad, where Hitler attempted did to you just seize say, power from Stalin. Ben, Ben, did you just say, unfortunately, the alliance between St- Hitler and Stalin fell apart? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was a buddy comedy. It was like a buddy yeah. comedy. This year, ben, two guys ben, want the same <laughs> thing. No way! You want to dominate the world too? Yeah, I do. Ben, they, and they so didn't want the they same set thing. off. It's it's Jim Carrey and and Jeff Daniels. One is Stalin. One is Hitler. Which one is Stalin? Fascist and Jim fa- Carrey. Surely, if you wanted Stalin, Fascist. you'd get Michael Shannon. Jeff, <laughs> no, but it's a buddy comedy now. It's fascist and fascister. Um, oh Jesus! It's it's a whole. <laughs> ben, who even is Jim Stalin? <laughs> So, we're not actually here to talk about Stalin this week. Uh, we're here to talk about Jim Stalin. Jim Stalin is a comic creator uh, that rose to prominence in the 1970s. Um, he's a contemporary of all those lads that we love. We love ourselves a little bit of... Um, no, he's not really a contemporary of all those lads. He's probably a, a later contemporary. We, we're huge Jack Kirby fans here at the podcast. He would be kind of the second wave of great creators to come along. And I'm very uh, much... Though, uh, though I'm hesitant... Go on. Go ahead. No, you go first. Um, no, but I would hesitate to call him one of the greats. I don't. I don't <gasps> have a few issues with, with Mr. Stalin myself. How interesting! Stalin. But uh, yeah, no, leave Stalin out of it. Um, interestingly, Ben, <laughs> great, greatly inspired by, and in many ways, kind of a successor to Jack Kirby. Yes, I have a quote here about just that. Um, okay. in oh, I love a quote. Um, he did a he did a panel um, that was mainly focused on Steve Ditko. For those that don't know, Steve Ditko is kind of the the creative force behind Marvel, um, and the co-creative force, I guess, when you put him with Stan Lee. There's a little bit of a um, little bit of a hmm, a little bit of a controversy there. A little bit of a Bill Finger, uh, Bob Kane issue. The Kane we'll paradigm. Do, we'll do a Steve Ditko um, episode someday, Ben. Yeah, I think we should. Steve Ditko is pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, he said on this that everything I learned about storytelling uh, was from him, uh, and the him he's referring to here is Ditko, um, or Kirby. So Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, they they could be looked at as the, the modern fathers of, of certainly comic books in general, I think. Um, but yeah, he owes a huge debt to them, and he was taken on in the 1970s. Um, he had done a lot of, of drawing for fan publications and things like that. So he did a lot of fan mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They saw him, they liked it, and they took him on. So um, he has, he's quite notable. He, he saved a number of characters. He's, he's predominantly known for space. So he's very similar to Kirby in that way. He's uh, predominantly known for his space-based or cosmic-based work. Yeah, um, he does space characters mostly. Yeah, he does space operas, similar to Kirby. I would consider him like a, a B-list Kirby. Oh. Um, personally. Personally, and I'll, I'll get to why I think that in a second. But anyway, his notable characters are the ones that he really, you know, is famous for. Ben, he, he revamped... would probably take that as a compliment. Well, I mean, it's quite a compliment. It's it's hardly a, a gripping insult. It's an insult to me, but I mean, a B-list Kirby is still better than a, you know, an A-list Linfield. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Oh! Really I was going to say an A-list Colopy. <laughs> uh, zing. Um, yeah, it's very good. Uh, just gonna take a pause here and have a little cry under the table. Um, that's fine. It's fine. It's, I'm okay. 
I'm okay. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, he's kind of most famous for revamping Captain Marvel. He saved that character, the original Captain Marvel, non-female Captain Marvel. Um, the original Captain Marvel from Fawcett Comics. Oh, Shazam! Damn it! Damn it! You got me. Uh, yeah, so oh, it's not, it's not Shazam. Sorry, the original Marvel Captain Marvel. Yeah, Marvel Captain Marvel. Uh, Marvel was his name. M A R V E L L. I don't know why every single space character has an L at the end of their name. Kal-El, Marvel, Jor-El. Well, I think the Marvel thing then was just to make it so that his name was Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love explaining the obvious to you. Um, it, it really helps me. <laughs> I never I never see it. I'm so focused on my tropes. I, it just goes Benjamin, right over my head. The obvious is just lost on me. Benjamin, you know um, those cosmic characters? You're, you're Captain Marvel... Your yeah. your quasar, your Adam your Warlock. Quasar, your your Adam Warlock, hugely famous for that as well. Kind of revamped that character, took him out of obscurity. Ben, did you ever think they all look too similar? As in, they're all drawn the exact same way. They they're all they're all in reddish costumes. They're blonde guys flying through space. Uh, two of them have powers granted by different sorts of wristbands. I think. Yep. One of the biggest problems with Cosmic Marvel for me, and I imagine for people new to comics, is they're all essentially the same character. They have weird, kind of vaguely defined powers compared to the Earth guys. Aryan spacemen. Yeah, they're kind of Aryan men in space with whatever power (laughs) they kind of need to deal with whatever the problem is at the moment. If we ever write our own comic, that is definitely the first publication. Aryan men in space with Aryan powers to deal space with whatever men. they need to deal with. Um, yeah, that'd be good. So he, he, yeah, they're very generic. You get, you, you have a dime a dozen kind of space Marvel things. They're very poorly defined. Um, but Jim Starlin kind of took them from that Ditko because Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Adam Warlock were actually designed by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Mm. Um, they were they were created by them, but they found notoriety or they found fame with Starlin when he took over the publication in the eighties, and he kind of yeah. turned them into this huge cult following. And he kind of went off and did his own version of the Fourth World um, that Jack Kirby did with DC. He kind of just kind of started to flesh out um, the cosmic universe. That um, yeah, he's really responsible for a lot of uh, the cosmic stuff. Absolutely, um, he has created he created Thanos. The yeah. Mad Titan, who is He's the pretty central important villain now. of Infinity War. Yep, the Infinity War. He created Drax. He created Gamora. So mm-hmm. a lot of fan favorites are, are Jim Starlin. They're, they're his characters. Um, and I think more, more importantly than that, he's actually created the plot of the fourth Avengers film. Sorry, the third Avengers oh. film. He is responsible for Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War and the Infinity Saga. He kind of spawned all this... Um, and he kind of sowed the seeds for that in his Captain Marvel run and things like that. And then Marvel actually gave him the space to do his Infinity Gauntlet saga, um, which was hugely popular. Ben, and have you ever read the Infinity Gauntlet? I haven't. I have not. Well, Ben, I have. Yes, and tell me more. The, the only thing I can say about it is I hope it isn't the plot for, uh, for Infinity War. Is it, real? is it real bad? No, it's good. Like it's it for for what it is, it's good, but it is not an Avengers story. It's a oh. story about it's a story about Thanos, who is definitely Jim Starlin's favorite character. 
Um, Jim Steyer loves a, Thanos. He has a big thing for large, muscular spacemen. Because Go on. he took over from Kirby's fourth world when he went over to DC and mm-hmm. drew a lot of the new gods. Yeah. Um, and his version of Darkseid is very, very similar to Thanos. Well, Thanos um, and Darkseid are essentially the same character, Ben, let's be honest. Yeah, kind of nicked from Kirby, yeah. But then he also created Mongol for DC Comics. Yeah. Do you know who Mongol is? Another big grey spaceman. Yeah, he's another big, massively muscular thing. So Jim Starlin's got a little uh, bulky fetish going on. <laughs> some, 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 so some anyway, right? Bulksters. Infinity War. Um, yeah. <laughs> Infinity... If, sorry, not... Well, first of all, Infinity War. Infinity War, the comic, is weird. Uh, and Why? It's a sequel to Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet is the more relevant one, I think, for the okay. movie Infinity War. Um, Infinity War is a story uh, Infinity Gauntlet is a story about Thanos and mm-hmm. Adam Warlock mm-hmm. and Thanos is kind of the bad and Adam Warlock is kind of the goody even though he's definitely a smug prick um, he's now a smug prick oh he's such a smug prick um, his entire the entire plot is basically Adam Warlock setting uh, Thanos has acquired the Infinity Gauntlet and he has become omnipotent and oh, he, he that's how it starts he already has it when it starts and oh. he he has decided for example he kills half of all living things to to impress oh, Mistress Death because he's in love with Mistress Death yeah. who we've and, covered before on the podcast Exactly. And Warlock is trying to assemble a squad, basically, to go and fight him. But Warlock won't tell them the plan. All he'll tell them is, if we want to beat Thanos, we'll need a perfectly formed and executed plan. So you'll all have to follow me. And everyone just kind of goes, okay. oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds legit. So That's he DT. goes, yeah, he, he goes to Earth and he gathers up basically everybody. And mm. he goes to fight Thanos. And mm. Mephisto, the devil... Ooh. He convinces Thanos that, um, Thanos, if you f- just use your omnipotent powers and make all of these people stop existing, that won't impress Lady Death, Mistress Death. You'll have to, you'll have to show off. So you should reduce your mm. powers to a level to have a fight with them. So he does that, and it turns out that the whole thing is just a distraction for Silver Surfer to try and grab the gauntlet. But then, oh. Ben, all your favorite characters die in horrific ways. Oh, good. Uh, that sounds nice. Yeah, Cyclops gets his head encased in a block of, like, essentially plastic and suffocates to death. Oh, fuck. Spider-Man Jesus. gets his head bashed in with a rock. Uh, Jesus. Thor gets turned into glass and shattered. Uh, oh, balls. Uh, Lady Thanos, who Thanos creates in his own image, rips off Iron Man's head. Fuck. So then... A lot of head uh, ripping. Yeah, that smug prick Adam Warlock reveals... Oh, that was all just a ruse. That was just a distraction. Now I have the main team. And then he arrives. And do you know that famous Marvel panel? Probably if you searched like Marvel Galactic Cosmic Entities, mm-hmm. you would see this page where you see Eternity, the Living Tribunal, Lord oh, Chaos yeah, the, and the, Master Order. All those guys. Uh, so they're the, the main attack force. And then they attack him. In the same way, and he activates more of his powers, but he beats them as well. And eventually, 
he becomes the universe. He becomes uh, not eternity. Ent- what's his name? The big, the big entity through guy. Maybe it is. Oh, eternity. is he the one? The one god overall? No, he he doesn't the... exist yet. Anyway, he becomes oh, okay. incorporeal, or he becomes a, a cosmic entity. But okay. he forgot that Nebula was there because he'd been torturing Nebula the whole time. The the movie doesn't look good for Nebula, by the way. So he'd been torturing Nebula the whole time Aww. and he forgot about her. And then she gets the glove and undoes everything. Oh. So that's it's re- that's it's not great writing. I mean, it's actually it's a very good comic. It's very enjoyable. And that's not even the end of it then. Then Thanos teams up with the heroes to try and get it back from her because she's going to be even worse than he was because she's a lunatic. Sure. Um fair. And in the end Adam Warlock takes it. So I don't know how they're going to like convert that into a movie because our heroes, our main characters, exist to die as part of Adam Warlock's not, plan to distract Thanos. That's not great. And then everything that's, that's gets reversed in time anyway. That's not what you want to hear. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna do it, Ben. Have you ever heard about yes. Jim Starlin's uh, famous beef with Marvel Comics? It's very recent beef with Marvel Comics, isn't it? Go on. It's it's only happened in the last two months. Oh no! Um, I mean, he has a long-standing beef. It's it's on and off. Ah, I I don't okay. know if it's because he's a, a a nice normal guy who doesn't like being screwed over, or if he's difficult to work with. It's probably a combination of I, both. I, I have heard the la- I've heard the latter more than I've heard the the former. But who I've are we to a, to believe internet gossip? Tram- well, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. But the comic book industry is notoriously, um, you know, well-meaning, and there's no pettiness, and there's there's no <laughs> everyone's an upstanding gentleman. Is that I, a? There's never been a. Then that sounds no, that sounds be- like you're being disingenuous. No, there's never been a kerfuffle in the comics industry. No one's ever been screwed over. No minorities have ever been overlooked. And no one's ever been a petty little racist who gives out when their favorite character is changed in some minor way. Um, Wait. That just doesn't happen in comics, oh, you're not, Everyone's I thought you were accusing Jim Starlin of being a petty little racist. But no, 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 no. Steady on. I was accusing all the people that read comics. <laughs> of being racist. <laughs> um, so the thing was, right? This is the interesting thing. Jim Starlin also created KG Beast. Oh, no way. I love KG Beast. And KG Beast was briefly and almost unrecognizably another... in Batman versus Superman. That's another very big, um, very big muscular man. Yeah, not in the movies. With, in the movies, with, he's just a normal bloke. With, with Aryan undertones. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. So uh, Jim Starlin earned more money from KG Beast's appearance in Batman vs. Superman than he had from Thanos, Drax, and Gamora and the Infinity Gauntlet in Marvel movies up to that point. Wow. Yeah. That's... Now, apparently, that beef is under the water, is under the bridge, and he's being very well looked after by Marvel now that Thanos is kind of the main character. Here's an interesting thing, Ben. I was looking through the Marvel encyclopedia. He... Go on. Sorry, has he not stepped down again i sorry there's a recent there's a really recent thing he's yes well he's another fallout with them he's having this is the thing about marvel entertainment marvel studios and marvel comics marvel entertainment own marvel comics marvel animation and marvel tv 
and he's had yeah. a falling out with them. But Marvel okay. Studios is directly owned by Disney, and they're being very yeah, they're nice a big to fan. him. Um, yeah, I suppose you'd have to be, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, he created a lot of their major characters, and the whole mm. ten years of this series, although it's based on Iron Man, seems to be leading up the Thanos. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's pretty cool. Um, so he's doing he's doing okay studio wise. Then he seems to, he seems to have a great relationship with Marvel Studios. That's for sure. So they're they're that's looking nice. after him. But the the that's comic nice. books he doesn't work with Marvel anymore. This is a really interesting oh. thing about. Um, about Jim Starlin as opposed to when we talked about Jack Kirby because Jim Starlin is still alive and prolific in the internet age mm. even though mm. he started working in the 50s and 60s he's still no, he's, he's, yeah. ticking and there's a lot more you can you can you can ask him a question yourself and he'd probably answer it you can go on his Facebook page sure. and send him a text and say and he'd, he'd say oh, yeah. yeah and you say do you think one of the problems with Cosmic Marvel is that Adam Warlock, Quasar, and Captain Marvel all are essentially interchangeable. Ooh. And he'd probably what answer. He'd probably call you a prick. I don't know. I don't think he'd appreciate it, but he'd, he'd probably answer it. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm... Very, yeah. As long as he'd answer. Like, that's, yeah. that's very nice of him. I mean, he does interviews it's, and stuff you know, all the time, so it's very easy to get a hold of him. That's That's more recognition than we'll ever get. Yeah, that's um, true. But you know, I, I'll I'll take a prick from Starlin. Um, that's you know, that's that's pretty prolific for us, Michael. That that'd be good for a few clicks. Ben, two Irish lads piss off thing, Jim though, Starlin. Right? Here's the here's the thing about yeah. old 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 Starlin. Um, he's kind of famous for the grim death aspect of characters because he also famously you know, did a- the death of Captain Marvel. He also did. He also did a very famous death for DC. Yeah, he's the man that killed Robin. He's the man that and, killed Robin. And apparently, that cost him the job in DC. Basically, um, he did that based on a poll. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So DC has no one to blame but themselves. To be fair, so just to give a little background on this, um, Jason Todd was the second iteration of Robin after Dick Grayson. Um, he's a bit of a smug prick. I suppose oh, yeah. <laughs> the theme of the episode. Um, Jason Todd was a bit of a snotty kind of, you know, street kid, um, and he was real smug yeah. and arrogant. Um, and readers didn't like him. So DC, being the very mature comic book company, um, they did, and they never pandered to fans. Um, put out a poll that asked them, did they want to kill Jason Todd? And comic book fans said, yeah, sure, fuck it. I'm not invested in this kid. Let's get rid of him. But then, unfortunately, Only- what they did was they. Go on. They, they hired Jim the Grim Reaper style Starlin, and um, what what happens is the Joker murders him with a crowbar. Yeah, smashes right. his body, smashes his body to a pulp, and leaves him in a building to explode. Yeah. Um, and while I'm not a big fan of smug pricks, Michael, I'm also not a big fan of of crowbar death scenes. Um, ah, so, he yeah, got I, better. Yeah, only after what twenty years. What's that in comic time though? When you count re- when you count reboots and everything, he's probably dead for fifteen minutes. He's grand. He's fine. He's back now. He's fine. He's fine. He's popular. He's in the fine. He's in the latest oh, he's game. Real? Injustice he's Two. He's real popular now. Yeah. He's like Red 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 Hood in it. Like Red Hood is such a beloved Batman member of the Bat family. It's it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. So um, look, it all worked out fine. Yeah, it all worked out fine. Anyway, Jim Starlin, Grim Reaper. 
Like Snell head bashing. <laughs> um, you know, he was in the military. and He was a photographer in the Vietnam War. And apparently saw some things. And that's why... Ah. That's why he became so... Not obsessed with death, but he used the, the stories to kind of vent the, the things he was feeling. that and, experience was. Yeah, and... That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, his his own father died of cancer the year before he was asked to kill off Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel dies of cancer. Dies of cancer in a very kind of mundane, everyday type way. Yeah. So there's a... That's there's weird. A, there's a lot of stuff. It's not so why of, I think it's perfectly explainable. It's perfectly obvious. Yeah, but it's there's perfectly a, reasonable. There's, yeah, no. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of personal stuff in his work then. Mm. Ben, um, what do you think of his yeah. a- his art? Um, I think it's pretty generic of the time. I don't think he's a spectacular artist by any means. I think he's your your Steve Dillon, your you know, your who's the guy that did all the stuff for Vertigo? Peter Milligan? Is it Peter Milligan? Yeah. You know, he's capable of producing a vast amount of characters in one series um, with little to no strain. He has a nice way of Nice clean line, can produce quite mm-hmm. fast. You know, it's you know he's your go-to guy if you have a a solid arc. He has. It's funny. I think Steve Dillon, um, who has now passed away, um, I think Steve Dillon got a weird kind of cult following because of his work with Preacher and Vertigo in places. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think when you brought when you brought him in, it was kind of like, oh wow, Steve Dillon is back. But Steve Dillon is very generic. I think Jim Starlin is very much the same thing. But he's kind of recognized for being more generic. When people talk about Jim Starlin, they talk about the characters he's created. I don't think I've ever heard anyone laud his artistic style. Yeah, I'd say that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, harsh I, but fair, Ben. I, I'm very harsh of Jim Starlin. I really think... Um, well, I've, I've, I've said before, Thanos is just a dark side ripoff. Like, I don't... You know, dark side is always looking for the, uh, the anti-life equation. And mm-hmm. Thanos is always looking for the infinity gauntlet. And that's... You know, one is obsessed with death and the other is obsessed with conquering the universe in darkness. You know, like, they're inter- they're very interchangeable for me. Um, and I think what annoys me about Jim Starlin is um, he's very open about how obsessed he is with Jack Kirby. Yes. Um, and no one has ever said, what, what a shitty thing to do. Like, Gamora and Drax in their original incarnations were very much new gods. That's all they are. They're specialized people that, you know, exist in a different realm and and serve different things. But they're just new gods. They're not anything special. Admittedly, he takes that classic Marvel thing where he humanizes them an awful lot and he gives them a a background and, you know, stuff like that. But I don't think... I think Drax now, Mm -hmm. in the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy iteration is a far better character than he ever was when Jim Starlin created him. Um, he's much funnier now as a kind of unkillable, blunt, comedic tool <laughs> than he ever was. Like, the reason that Drax is created is to destroy Thanos. He's purpose-built yeah. to eviscerate but Thanos. That yeah, makes, that's his job. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, considering how important Thanos is to Jim Starlin. Sure. Well, why not? It, but like, it makes I just, sense that I, all other characters are kind of just ancillary around Thanos. I'd say, Ben, give give the Infinity Gauntlet a read and see I'll, I'll how it, it a flick. 
See how it's basically um, it's basically Thanos versus Adam Warlock is what it 